Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. In 2012, one morning I woke up and went to go do my normal morning workout as I typically did. Back then I was really into CrossFit and there was a specific movement called a clean and jerk that was in my programming for what my workout was that day. And I went out into my garage. I was working from a garage gym at that time. So I went out into my garage gym and and went to just go do my warm up for the clean and jerks. And at about the second rep, all of a sudden, it felt like I couldn't even lift the bar. Honestly, it felt like I had taken an entire bottle of Benadryl and like I couldn't break out of that feeling of fatigue. That feeling of fatigue lasted for six months. In this episode, I'm going to not only tell you about my own experience of how I ended up feeling so tired all of the time, but I'm going to talk in general about why this can typically happen to people and even more so, and more importantly, what you can do about it. Let's dive in. There's a process to falling in love and it starts with attraction. Join Kimberly Beam Holmes and her special guests as they discuss how to become the most attractive you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as we refer to it, working on your pies. We'll teach you how to have better relationships and become more attractive to others, and maybe more importantly, to yourself. It starts with attraction, and it starts now. As I said in the intro, it was now about 11 years ago that one morning I went out to just do my normal workout routine and all of a sudden it felt like I had literally taken an entire bottle of Benadryl. It was like this fatigue hit me like a ton of bricks and I couldn't break through from it. In fact, I remember that day, my husband and I were living in Alabama at the time and my mom had happened to be in town with us that day. And we were just now moving in to that, that townhome we were living in. So she had come down to help us move in. And we had a lot of things we were trying to go do. We were going to Lowe's, you know, getting some stuff for moving in and all of that stuff. And I remember just like sitting in the car and not even having the energy to want to get up, to want to get out, to want to go into Lowe's. I remember sleeping most of the day and then realizing at about eight o'clock that night that I had homework to do. I was in the middle of my master's program and I was like, oh, I have homework to do. Like, how am I going to wake up enough to go and do this homework? Now, that just being one day, we could have written it off like I was sick or, you know, fighting off a bug or a virus or I was just incredibly tired that day. But that intense feeling of fatigue where I just felt so tired all of the time lasted for at least six months. I would go to the doctor. They would run all these lab tests on me. Everything came back totally normal according to my blood work, but it 
never could get to the bottom of why I was feeling so tired all the time. Now, let me give you a little bit of history as to what got us to that place. So for about the year and a half, maybe year before that event happened, I had gotten really big into working out and CrossFit in particular. And when I first started doing CrossFit, I was doing it three times a week, maybe four, and that was it. I was giving my body ample rest in between the times, doing all of the correct things, but I began to get obsessed with the results. In fact, I had gained so much strength and lost so much weight and was in the prime of my health, the way that I looked and the way that I felt doing CrossFit three to four times a week. And that was the first working out I really did. Like when I first started working out, I kind of went all in and went in doing it with CrossFit. And I felt so great that I thought, well, doing more is just going to make it even better. It's just going to make me even stronger. So I started doing CrossFit five, six days a week, not really resting. And then I began to realize that I was gaining weight that I was not performing as well. And so I thought, well, clearly, then what I need to do now is restrict my calories. And so for about the six months before that event happened, where it felt like I took a bottle of Benadryl at one time, even though I didn't, let me clarify, I did not do that. Uh, The six months before that, I was really trying to restrict my caloric intake, at the same time trying to increase the very heavy activity output that I was doing in working out. And I believe this is a huge part of what led to that morning, all of a sudden feeling like I was tired all of the time. And so clearly I did what any logical person would do. I still tried to push through the workouts. I still tried to clamp down on what I was eating. And I kept trying to lose weight because I had gained weight during this time. Like I went from being an incredibly healthy shape and feeling great, feeling good about myself. As we say, when it comes to physical attraction, it's about looking and feeling the best that you can for your age and situation in life. Well, a year earlier, I was looking and feeling the best I had ever looked and felt. I mean, everything felt like it was just firing on all cylinders. I was incredibly motivated. I was creative. I was getting stuff done. I was in a great headspace and felt great as well, getting amazing sleep, all of the things. But then fast forward to a year later, and here I am struggling to make it through the day. And the mental battle was harder than the physical battle that I was fighting during this time. Because over this process, I had begun to become so vain, prideful, competitive, that I was equating my looks, really, more than anything, my looks and my athletic performance with my worth and with my value. And because that mental belief was so strong that even when my physical body started breaking down, couldn't drag myself out of bed, but I was going to make it to workout class and push through no matter what it took. Even though I, as a woman, had lost my menstrual cycle because I had been overworking my body, like none of those cues would I listen to. I just kept pushing through, pushing through eating less, working out more, trying to get back to a certain weight, even though clearly my body was giving me every sign possible that what I was doing was not good for me. For me, 
I began to be tired all of the time because I wasn't truly recovering. And there's many instances that someone can feel like they're tired all of the time and what to do about it. I'm using a lot of my own experience in this, but there are other situations and and symptoms. There's chronic fatigue syndrome. There is someone who might be having insomnia. There's so many different instances that can happen. Many of them have medical underpinnings. So if you're struggling with chronic fatigue or feeling tired all the time, then of course I encourage you to go and speak with a registered licensed medical provider to really get to the bottom of what your of what your specific situation might be. But one of the things that I want to point out is that a lot of times we're tired all of the time because we aren't giving our body the rest and the recovery that it needs. So let's talk about stress for a minute. And what is stress? How does it happen in our body? And what does it do when there's too much stress in our body? So stress, and when people say I'm stressed out, what they're actually talking about is a mechanism, a physiological response that's occurring within our own body of the release of cortisol. Now, cortisol is a hormone. It is released by the adrenal glands and it actually has a rhythm to it. Like we're supposed to release cortisol, especially at certain times during the day. It's actually tied to our circadian rhythm, which is the internal process that regulates our sleep and wake cycle. And so typically cortisol will be at its highest early in the morning, shortly after someone wakes up. And this, we can understand why this is a biological mechanism because it's what prompts us to get out of bed, to get going, to get moving. We can see why God created us that way. It helps us to become alert and to really get ready for all of the demands that the day is going to bring us. Then throughout the day, cortisol levels typically should gradually decline, reaching their lowest levels late in the evening before bed which aids in the initiation of sleep. So if cortisol is like the get up and go hormone, then of course we want it to go away as we get ready to go to sleep, which is when different hormones begin to elevate, such as melatonin, which then allows us to fall into a sleep cycle. But see, what tends to happen is our body, when it starts to feel chronically stressed or even acutely stressed, even if it's not a chronic stressor, but an acute stressor, so something that's happening quickly or on one-off occasions, it initiates a fight or flight response inside of our body. And this happens when we perceive a threat or a stressor. And so when we look at why cortisol is in our bodies in the first place to help us wake up and to get up and go, then we can understand why that's the same hormone that's going to be spiked if we feel like there's a stressor around us or we perceive someone about to attack us because it's going to help us get up and go away from that thing. And so cortisol can also spike in the relationship or under the perception of a threat in our day-to-day lives. And that could be at 5 p.m., at 2 p.m., at 11 p.m. But if we begin to think that we are under attack or that we are about to get hurt or that we need to do something to protect ourselves, then that's when fight or flight is initiated and when cortisol increases. When cortisol goes up, it mobilizes glucose, so it gets energy readily available for us to be able to get up and go. Uh, It kind of gets our muscles ready to fight if we need to or to run away if we need to. It also begins to suppress 
the non-essential functions in our body, such as digestion or reproductive systems or growth processes. So that's why uh, when people are chronically stressed out, they can also tend to have uh, irritable bowel syndrome, different things in relation to their digestion, because our body suppresses that response because the stress is thinking that at any moment we're going to have to get up and go. So our body can't be digesting while we're doing all this other stuff. That's why when people are chronically or acutely stressed out, their sex drive also decreases and sometimes becomes non-existent, especially over a longer period of time. They, their body's not really letting them feel the need of sexual intercourse or wanting to be turned on or anything like that because there's a threat out here and we might need to be ready to go after that. And then growth processes. We know that when children are in traumatic circumstances or in situations in life where they're just constantly under high stress, that it can debilitate their physical and mental growth processes. So all of these things begin to happen. It also increases our blood pressure because again, like it's getting us ready to fight. It increases our heart rate. All of those things begin to happen. So as we can see, when all of that happens and we just live under this state of high stress, then there's physical effects, there's psychological effects, there's other effects. There's the physical effects of weight gain because we're not digesting our food. And also because like if our body is always using glucose because we're chronically stressed and it's activating glucose all of the time, then that's also going to be what we crave more and more. It also, uh, the psychological effects, increased levels of depression, of anxiety, of mood swings, difficulty remembering things or concentrating because there's there's this overlooming cloud of a threat that you need to be aware of or run from. It also can reduce our immune response. We can become sicker easier when we're chronically stressed out. Blood sugar levels are going to be chronically elevated, which could lead to higher rates of diabetes, insomnia, disrupted sleep patterns. Because again, when your get up and go is always getting up and going, then it makes it difficult, if not sometimes nearly impossible, to truly calm down and to be able to sleep. So there's a lot of long-term effects that are a concern when it comes to elevated cortisol, all of which lead or all of which are a part of what we have just talked about. So this is what happens when our body perceives fight or flight. And like I said a minute ago, this isn't just physical. It's not just there's a person outside my house trying to break in. This is also the demands that we feel like are placed on us in our work, in our home. When we feel like we are expected or that we have too many expectations on us and that we have to rise to the occasion of being a mom and being a coworker and being a wife and being the PTO chair and being this, 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 that, or the other, there might be a small percentage of the population who can handle all of those demands really well. But for the majority of people, that's when you start hearing things like, I'm spread too thin. I can't juggle all these balls. There's too many plates spinning because there's too much going on and our bodies and our brains are constantly thinking of all of the ways that we're going to drop the ball, that 
it's going to end up being a terrible situation and it's our responsibility to fix it. This also increases our fight or flight. And then of course, when there's stressful situations happening in life, when there's a family member who's terribly sick, maybe going through cancer or a really difficult separation or relationship difficulty, then this also presents the same fight or flight mechanism response in our body, which can elevate our cortisol as well as actually being too physically overwhelmed by doing too much to your body, by not feeding your body enough. Our body still feels like I I'm under a threat because I'm not getting the rest I need, or I'm not getting the nourishment that I need. And so all of these things in different ways add up to feeling stressed, being stressed and being chronically stressed. Now, I mentioned a little bit about the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands are small glands that are actually located at the top of the kidneys, and they produce cortisol. So they help manage stress and regulate metabolism in the cortisol that they produce. Oh, that's the other part. Cortisol also helps to regulate metabolism. So when it's chronically elevated, your metabolism can just either like shoot completely down to where maybe you're hungry all of the time, but you're not actually metabolizing the food that you're eating, which also is part of what leads to that weight gain. But then it also produces things like aldosterone and adrenaline and sex hormones like androgens. So what does all of that mean? It means that it's regulating our, our, our adrenal glands are a huge part in regulating our blood pressure, the electrolytes in our body, like sodium and potassium to make sure that, that we're running as best we can. Uh, but then there's adrenaline, which is an epinephrine or norepinephrine, which are part of the fight or flight response. So the adrenal glands play a huge part in that as well. And in regulating and helping to regulate our fight or flight, our stress response in our bodies. And when our adrenal glands are overworked, what that generally means is that they're producing excessive amounts of some of these hormones, especially cortisol. And in response, and they're doing it in response to chronic stress. And so this can lead to an imbalance of hormones overall. When our cortisol is too high, that can lead to a domino effect in other hormones and the way that they are affected. And so adrenal glands are just another part of kind of what you may hear people talk about when it comes to people being too stressed or overworked. You, you may have heard the phrase before adrenal fatigue, which is basically a way of saying that the stress response in someone's body is out of whack and it's causing tons of negative effects in many other ways. And I believe that this is a huge part of what many people are struggling with, that there is a stress response that their body is dealing with chronically because we are too stressed out, because we have our phones with us all the time, because our email is always available, because people can call us or contact us and tell us what they need at any given moment. And at some point it begins to be too much. So what can we do about it? The idea and the goal, if you are tired all of the time, especially if it's because you believe you are stressed out too much, is to decrease your stress. This is where you laugh and say, Kimberly, if it were only that easy. I remember sitting in my doctor's office probably five or six years after the instance happened where my, I, I will say my adrenals were shot. They were, I wasn't recovering. I was putting my body under too much stress. I wasn't nourishing my body at all. And I just kept 
kept submitting my body and my health to tons of stressors. And my body got to the point where it just said, I'm done. Like you have to stop. You have to rest. And it wasn't until I finally laid off a little bit, allowed my body to rest. Looking back now, if I knew then what I knew now, I would have taken a month off of working out and I would have just allowed my body to eat naturally the things that it was craving and fuel myself in the way that it needed. And I wouldn't do that. Like I wouldn't let my body do that back then because I was just so scared of gaining weight or of losing muscle. Like all of the vain things that I was scared was going to happen led me into a perpetual state of anxiety, of depression, of, of probably honestly gaining more weight because I kept submitting my body to all of these crazy things, uh, but like forcing it to continue to work out even when I couldn't even barely get out of bed, right? Like these are not the healthy things to do. And so I struggled with this for several years and it wasn't until probably 2016, 2017, I ended up in a different doctor's office and was just sitting there crying my eyes out. I was having panic attacks almost daily. My anxiety was through the roof. There were days I felt like I couldn't breathe. Uh, my heart started having like crazy palpitations and because I, like I didn't fully allow myself to recover from six, five, six years before. And I remember sitting in my doctor's office and he said, and I was like, give me an antidepressant. That's all I wanted. I said, if you can just give me an antidepressant, everything will be fine. I'll get back to normal. I'll be better. Like I can make it, I, I can make it through life if you just give me an antidepressant. And I remember him sitting across from me and he say, he said, Kimberly, I, I'm happy to prescribe you an antidepressant, but it's not going to work. It's you're not depressed. You're stressed. And you have to find a way to remove all of this stress from your life. And I laughed in the middle of all my tears and my panic attack. I just started laughing and saying, there's no way. Like, what do you even mean? What does that even look like? What do you mean I need to get rid of the stress that's in my life? I can't. I can't do that. I have to do all of these things I'm currently doing. He wrote me the prescription for the antidepressant and I never took it because that night I thought, what if he is right? What if it really is the truth that the problem that is at the core of what I'm experiencing physically, mentally, emotionally, what if at the core of it is the fact that I am unwilling to make changes that are not only necessary for my current health, but for my future longevity. And that is when everything changed for me. I was already working out, as we all know, I was already uh, actually eating too healthy. Uh, and what I mean by that, I don't really think that anyone can eat too healthy, but I believe that you can get, we can get, I got at least, into a very unhealthy cycle mentally where I was terrified to eat anything outside of what I deemed as healthy. So the thought of like having a corn tortilla or eating a piece of bread was like enough to keep me from going out and socializing with other people. And that wasn't healthy. It was, again, like this is another stressor that I was putting on myself in just like continuing to 
chain myself to like keep myself in this, in these chains of the mindset that I had and what I thought I had to do to be loved or to be healthy or to be pretty. And all of it was just making everything worse, my life worse, my health worse. So I slowly, and this took time, this took probably three to four years to totally, and I wouldn't even say totally, but to mostly become free from all of these expectations that I had placed on myself. But I truly begun to look at my life. And for the first time, like at that point, uh, I had worked seven years working 10 to 12 hour days, five to six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. Uh, It was after that conversation with my doctor in 2016, 2017, I went for my first vacation and completely unplugged from email, from social media, and it was rejuvenating. Now, the first couple of days, it felt like I was a tightly wound ball that was slowly being unwound. Like it was very unsettling to not have work or things that I had to do. But shoot, by day five, four or five, I felt like I was having a massage 24-7. Like that is how calm and relaxing it was. And many other things that I did. I began to shift my perspective about my health and about uh, my, what I ate and my workout routine to really have the goal of loving and nourishing myself for the long term and not just for what I look like in the short term. And so all of these things, me implementing them, really focusing on my sleep was the other really big thing that happened in here. And having that be a time where I didn't just look at the evening or the night as time to do more work, but it's time for me to unplug and to really allow my body to rest because I needed that rest in order to best wake up the next day and tackle the priority things that I needed to tackle. So what are these for you? If you are stressed out, as I've been saying, if you've been tired all of the time, then assess where are the areas in your life that are just completely stressing you out. And what can you stop doing? And these things that you stop doing may be beliefs that you have in your head about yourself that aren't healthy. They may be things that you feel like you have to do, but maybe in reality you don't. Maybe you don't clean your house every day. The horror, I know. My mom and my sister are quite the housekeepers. They always have meticulously put away laundry and very clean houses. Um, If you come to my house, you, especially right now, you're going to see probably eight days of laundry that still need to be folded. Our beds aren't made, right? Like, because I just had to let some of these things go. What are the things that truly matter in life? And what are the things that really just don't that maybe you can let go that are going to free up your mind and free up your health for you to be a healthier person overall, because that's what we're focusing on. We're focusing on you becoming the best that you can be, not in a selfish way, but so that you can better show up and give in the relationships and situations in your life where you are called to do so. So number one is evaluate your stress levels. And if you're chronically stressed and you're saying, yes, like I feel like there's just a weight of expectations on my back, then the question is where, what can you give up? What can you delegate and what are the mindset shifts that you need to make in order for, for you to be able to have a healthier life? That's the first couple of things you can do. 
After that, I would encourage you to look at your sleep routine. We know that cortisol, when it's elevated, then the idea is like we know it's a mechanism in our body. It's a hormone response in our body. So how can we look at what elevates cortisol and bring it down? Well, when we get good sleep, it helps to have a proper cortisol response inside of our bodies. Get good sleep. When you wake up, try and have that be the time of your day where your cortisol is most elevated. Go outside, get a good five to 10 minutes of sun. Uh, just being in the sun, the first five to 10 minutes of your day can really help your overall circadian rhythm as well as your cortisol to be in proper response. But then think about the evenings. Like once it gets to four or five o'clock, especially six o'clock at night, you want to start doing things that are going to be calming and not elevate your cortisol. So disconnect from anything that might be, uh, scary. Maybe it's not the time to watch some of those scary movies or serial killer documentaries. Maybe it is that you need to do more calming activities, do some stretching, do a bath, have some loving conversations, cuddle with your kids, do something that's going to bring your cortisol levels down and really protect your bedtime. The other thing that we can see here as well, one of the things I touched on is typically we're in when we are in a state of high stress, we are just wanting to eat glucose containing items. So we crave sugar, we crave carbs, we crave sweets, we crave all of those things that feel very comforting, but it's more than just the fact they feel comforting. It's the fact that they are like our body thinks we're going to need that energy to fight something. So how can we prioritize eating things like protein, eating things that can help curb those hunger cravings so that we don't continue to perpetuate that cortisol cycle? And just being mindful of that. There's a lot of things that we can do to really decrease our stress. And with that, the goal being to not be so tired all of the time. So yes, sleeping is a huge part of it, but also overall decreasing your stress. And then if you wake up in the middle of the night and you, because you have insomnia and you have that, that kind of like, oh my gosh, feeling when you wake up and you're thinking of all the things that are stressing you out, then having some practices such as journaling or prayer or meditation that you can do during those moments to release that angst, that anxiety, to release some of that cortisol so that you can take some deep breaths and go back to sleep. Sleep is such a huge part of this. So dietary adjustments, eliminating sugar, trying to not eat as many carbs as you're craving, focusing more on proteins, more on foods that have high nutritional value, being sure that you're getting good sleep, having good sleep hygiene, going to bed and waking up around the same times, trying to sleep in a cooler room. All of those things are helpful as well as, well as the relaxation techniques of things like meditation or deep breathing exercises. Many of you know, I constantly talk about the four by four breathing where you take a deep breath in for four, you hold for four, you breathe out for four, and you hold at the bottom for four. And doing that for three to four minutes a day just like neurologically helps to reset your amygdala and helps to have a more proper stress response when stressful things happen. And then of course, as always, see a doctor or see a therapist or a nutritionist if you still feel like you're stuck or if you feel like you need further interventions. Overall, my husband and I today, we were driving back to the house from going to do something. And I was talking about doing this as a podcast. And he said, you're the perfect person to talk about that because you have done it. And I thought, 
thanks, babe. I appreciate the the encouragement and the belief in me. But I had actually forgotten that there was a period of almost like 10 years of my life where I was incredibly stressed out. I was not sleeping well and I was not healthy because of it, like had major health issues. And especially, as I said, as a woman, like losing your menstrual cycle as a, you know, late twenties, early thirties woman is a huge sign that you are not healthy and that things are not going well inside of your body. Uh, and that I struggled with that for many, many years. And today I, I, I sleep well, I sleep like a rock. I have put so much practice into making sure that I'm dealing with my stress levels in a healthy way and that I'm not over exerting my body. Today, like literally today as of recording this, um, I was supposed to be at workout class right now. But all morning I was like, I'm tired and I'm hungry. And like, I'm typically not this hungry in the morning. And like, I could go, but I kind of just feel like if I go, I'm just going to be tired. And I thought, especially in light of recording this episode today, I thought, you know what? This is my body telling me I need to go easy today. I need to love on it. I need to do some rest. And then tomorrow, after getting good rest today and good rest tonight, I'll feel much better and much more willing to train or willing to work out tomorrow. Sometimes you truly have to listen to your body, especially when you've done the hard work, to know that you can trust that your body is giving you the right signals. I would love to hear what your takeaways are from this episode. And as always, if you have found this helpful, please share it with a friend or give a five-star review. I actually recently, uh, this morning actually, was going on to the onto Apple Podcast and just looking at some of the reviews of the podcast. And there was one that someone recently left, which I wanted to share with you. They were referring to the episode I recently did with Dr. Anna Lemke, who is over the addiction. uh, She's over an addiction clinic at Stanford University. And I had an episode with her, an amazing episode where we talked about dopamine and a listener, Nagel195, she chimed in and she said, I never realized how my addictions have changed my life. Some for the better and some for the worst. Sugar is my biggest addiction, but I never thought how it affected my life. I'm not going to go on a long-winded article, but I will say hearing this podcast will help me focus on how I want to tackle little things that can make a big difference. Wonderful podcast. Thank you so much, Nagel195, for leaving that review. I would love if any of you would leave a review. I love seeing them. I want to share more of the positive things that y'all say about the podcast in future episodes. And until next week, stay strong.